So this morning we're going to go ahead and continue on the culture of Living Hope Family Church. And as we talked about last week, over the next few weeks, we're just going to talk about, once again, who we are as a church. And you guys that have been here for a while, this is, this is uh, old news to you. We've, we've done these messages before, but I think it's, like I said last week, it's really important that we understand who we are so we don't forget who we are. We, we continue to operate in the vision that God has given to us. And last week we looked at the, the fact that we are a people saved by faith, saved by grace, faith alone. That means that we can't earn our salvation, there's nothing you can do, but it's the free gift of God and we just receive it by faith, amen? But today I want to look at that we are a people who worship. How many know that worship is, is important, it's very important? That's how we show God what He's, he's worth to us, this is how we, we, we show God that, that, uh, that He is actually worth something to us. Worth is determined by how much someone is willing to pay for something. And God determined our worth by sending His Son for us. He gave up His one and only Son. He gave up His own life for us. He determined our worth. And worship for us should be seen as an automatic and natural response. You know, when someone does something for you, we, we, we have a tendency to want to repay that favor. Now, I'm in no way implying that we could ever repay God for what He's done, because we can't. We can't even come close but it should be a natural response that we would honor Him and worship Him for what He's done for us. Amen? And all throughout the Scriptures, if you read them, you'll see that worship is not just a time block either. We tend to think of worship a lot of times as that, that moment from 10 to 10.30 where it's okay if you're a little bit late as long as you make it by the message. You know, it's the, the 10 and the 10.30 crowd is what I've heard it been called when I was growing up. And it's, it's, it's not a, we don't do worship in the beginning of service just to make sure that everyone can get here on time, but that's a time when we come and we actually, we want to give it all to God. We want to honor Him. We want to begin to prepare our hearts to receive the Word, but it's not second rate. It's not, it's not, it's not second fiddle to the message. It's actually even more important than the message because when we honor God, when we begin to have breakthroughs in our life, we begin to, to see Him as he, he really is and we begin to, to worship and shower praise upon Him because He deserves it. You know, we also need to be teaching praise to our children. You know, your, your children will worship just like you do. And if we're quiet and we're reserved and we don't do anything, our, our children are going to be the same way. Matter of fact, they're going to be even more so. And I've seen it so many times with my kids when it's just them a lot of times. They're okay with worshiping. They'll raise their hands. They'll give it all they got. But let one of their friends stand beside them and, oh, got to look cool in front of the friends. But we want to teach our kids to, to worship unashamedly. Because truthfully, our friends are looking at us. We say we're a Christian and they see us and they're like, man, you're not really acting like it. Now, we might be embarrassed when we raise uh, holy hands and we honor God and we do, we do those things to worship Him, but when our friends see that, they're going to be, you know what? They're the real deal. This is what they're all, this isn't something fake for them. And even though it might be embarrassing a little bit to us, they're going to see a genuine attitude of worship and godliness in you. Amen? Anybody you guys know what the word worship means? Take that as a no with the overwhelming response. So uh, worship is just the shortened form of the old word worship, which just means that it's showing God the worth that he holds in your life. You know, if God has worth in your life, we need to show him that. We need to, to honor and glorify him because of what he is worth in our lives. We also need to give 
God reverence. And that doesn't just mean in corporate worship. You know, you can worship on your own at all times. Any time during the day you can give God worship. And it doesn't even have to be singing. You can just praise Him with your lips. You can praise Him in your mind. You can do all these things to worship God. And then for us, we're talking about culture. And for us, to, for it to be a culture, it has to be ongoing and it has to be a characteristic of who we are. It shouldn't just be a, a temporary part of time thing, but it should be ingrained in who we are as a people to worship God. We're also going to find that to, to worship means to pay homage. And that's actually to give something. When you pay homage to somebody, you worship, worship somebody in that way, it means you're giving them something. For Christians, that means it's giving us giving our money as we give our money to God. It means that we're giving our time. You know, the funny thing is, is giving money is easy, but giving your time is difficult. It's easy to write a check. It's hard to show up when something needs to be done and give up your time. But that's how we honor God is by doing those things. First scripture we're going to look at today is Mark 7, 6 through 7, and it says, And he said to them, Well, did, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. See, the Jews had a problem at this time. This is Jesus addressing the Jews. And they had a little bit of a problem going on because they weren't really worshiping. They were putting on a good show. They, were, they looked good from the outside. They were doing the right things. But, but Jesus says that their hearts are far from me. It's just lip service. And actually, the worst part about it was is they weren't just putting on a show to look good, but they were actually doing it so that they could pass on their teaching, their doctrines of men as the teaching and doctrines of God. They were trying to put across their tradition, their things, and making people think it was from God, so they're putting on a great show. In Mark 7, 7, if we uh, read that in the Message Bible, it says like this. It says, they act like they are worshiping me, but they don't mean it. They just use me as a cover for teaching whatever suits they're fancy. You know, I bet you've seen that today. We see some of the worst grievances of it when we see cults and stuff, and they're trying, you know, they're making people drink poison Kool-Aid, saying it's from God. You know, those are the worst examples you're putting on a show. You know what? That's not something I want said of me. I don't want people to say, you know what, it's, it's just all a show for him. That's not who he really is. If you, if you were to see him behind closed doors, he's a completely different person. I don't want that said of me. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to worship with, in spirit and in truth. And a hypocrite is one who, who judges undercover. You know, there's something outwardly, but on the inside, they're completely different. Matter of fact, they might even require that of somebody else, but they don't live that same way themselves. That's not what I want to be said of me. You know, I'm up here preaching and telling you guys, you know what, I want you guys to worship God with all your heart. But you know what, I'm doing the same thing. Because that's what, what God deserves. And worship is more than just singing songs. I want to say that up front right now. Is, is We tend to think of worship as just singing songs and music, but it's so much more than that in our lives. It's actually an attitude of our hearts. We need to have that attitude inside of ourselves that, that at every opportunity we would give God glory and praise. Even when we don't feel like it. Anybody ever not felt like worshiping? Anybody ever not felt like getting up and praising God? And there's been times I've been on, on worship teams my, 
for most of my, my, my time in the church. And there have been plenty of times that I didn't want to go worship God, didn't want to go to practice, didn't want to get up early. But you know what? It's something we choose to do anyway. And you know what? There's, there's breakthrough in worship. You can watch people have chains just broken. As they begin to set everything aside, they put everything behind them, and they, they give, give everything to God. They surrender completely. You'll see breakthrough. You're going to see chains being broken. I've seen people miraculously healed in worship. We've seen relationships restored. We've seen bondage broken. People that couldn't get out from underneath some sort of sin or addiction, and they begin to worship freely, and, and God deals with it in that moment. Something that was interesting when I first started looking at worship in the church is that there was a survey that was done that says three in five churchgoers said music was one of their prime considerations when selecting a place of worship. But we need to make sure that we're making that choice for the right reasons. I remember when I preached this message for the first time, John came up to me afterwards and he's like, man, when you said that, I couldn't believe it, but yeah, you're totally right. You know, people come to, if, if the worship's not good, if the, if the music's not good, then, man, we're out of here. You know, we're just a couple people up here with a, with a guitar and, and a voice, and we're doing the best we can, but we're, we're worshiping God with our hearts and giving it everything that we got. And praise God, someday we will have the drum set set up here. We're going to have multiple singers and more guitars in the bass. Man, I'm all for some good music. I'm all for an awesome time up here. You know, we get a light show up here. It doesn't matter. We're going to worship God however we want to worship Him with everything that we got. But it doesn't matter if we've got the whole stage and the lights or if we just got a single guitar. Worship is about God, not about entertainment. If you came to church to be entertained this morning, you came for the wrong reason. Worship is not to, be, to get something out of it. It's not for us. But it's for him, amen. You know, as a as a society, particularly in the United States, we're a we're an entertainment centered type of people. As a as a, as a culture of, of the United States, is we're entertainment bound. Everything that we do, it has to entertain us. And I'm, I'll be I'll be the first to admit, I'm, that's why I don't like going to the doctor because doctors are so boring. You have to wait for so long. Man, I like something. I have to be doing something with my head. I've got to be entertained or reading or something because I, I just can't do it. But when it comes to the church, when it comes to God, we need to remember that worship is not about us. It's not so that we can be entertained, so that we can have a good time. Not, thank God there's nothing wrong with those things. But that's not what it's for. And when we come to worship with an attitude like that, it's kind of like the, the gift giver giving something to somebody but it was actually for them. My father-in-law once, it's a story that we hear all the time from, from my father-in-laws. When he was a kid, he bought his mom a football for her birthday. And she's like, wow, thanks. Do, do you want to play with it? Because he, he got it for himself. And that's, that's what happens when we come to worship looking just for entertainment. It's like coming to God and saying, hey, I got something for you, but it's really for me. We need to make sure that we don't have that attitude. We need to be participants, not observers. We need to come to God with an attitude of, this is for you. I want to honor you with all that I have. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying it. There's nothing wrong with good music. There's nothing wrong with the loud music and the lights and the show. There's nothing wrong with feeling those goosebumps when you feel the presence of God. 
But that's not what it's about. It's about honoring Him. Amen? And then in Exodus 24 through 5, it says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You should not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the inequity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. And in Matthew 10, 37, it says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. See, the idea of these scriptures here is that we need to have our worship pointing in the right direction. Too many times in our lives, we place other things in front of God. Work, maybe TV, video games, sports, even your spouse or your children. You know, we need to make sure that God comes first in every area of our lives. You know, we can, we, we can even and probably more often than not put ourselves in front of God. We worship ourselves and our abilities, forgetting that it's actually God that gave us those abilities. I spent a long part of my life not needing God because I, I was just good at stuff. And I never had to ask for help because, like I said, I, I could just do things. I was good in school. I was good in everything I put my hand to. And, and uh, I didn't... I didn't realize that it was God that had given me those abilities. This actually, this, this pride in my life led up to one of the greatest falls because God finally said, all right, give it a shot on your own. And, and guess what happened? My, my world fell apart around me. And, and I recognized that it was actually God doing this stuff. I'm like God gave me these gifts and God had been blessing me this whole time. But I had put myself in front of God. And did you know that you can even put Christian stuff in front of God? A lot of times we're like, oh, we're, we're doing okay because it's, it's a Christian thing. Do you guys remember Martha? When she's trying to do all the work and Mary's sitting down at the feet of Jesus and she gets all upset saying, Jesus, are you going to let her just sit there? And he says, you know what? She's picking the better part because she was putting Jesus first. And Martha was worried about all the stuff. Now, I mean, the stuff that she was doing needed to be done. It was good stuff. She was taking care of things. But she got it wrong because she was putting those programs, those things, first. Pastors will oftentimes, and leaders in churches will oftentimes get sidetracked as well, and they put programs in front of God, and they don't even realize they're doing it because they're, they're godly things. These are Christian things. But it's, you can even put Christian stuff in front of God. But we need to make sure that all of our attention, all of our energy, all of our worship is directed to God and God alone. You know, in, in this society as Americans, we tend to put stuff at the top of our list. Matter of fact, we have so much debt in this country because in credit card debt and stuff, because as people we want to to put ourselves first and put stuff first. Every every advertisement that you've ever seen for anything is about how you can get this or you can be better with this. And if you'll just buy this, you know, if you just buy, you know, the Axe body spray, women are just going to jump through windows for you. And if you just buy this awesome car, then, then you know, you're going to get everything that you want. If you just buy this suit, then you're going to get the job that you want. It's, it's all about buying stuff and putting stuff first to get you what you want. And actually, with, with the debt portion of it, we end up, we end up putting ourselves... In a, in a position where we can't even honor God later in our lives. 
you know, when you're in debt, you're pretty much limited to what you can do for God. What if God came up to you and said, you know what, I want you to go serve as a missionary in Africa for two years. And I want you to do this, but you go, you know what, I've got $30,000 in consumer debt. If I leave, I can't pay that. You're stuck because of where we put ourselves, because we put other stuff in front of God. We need to remember always that Jesus is our first love. Luke 14, 26, kind of a companion verse to this Matthew 10, 37 here, says that if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sister, yes, yet even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And what that's saying is not that we have to hate everybody, but in comparison to our love for God, that's what those things should look like. Even our own lives, we need to put God first above everything. Amen? Next, we find out that we need to worship in spirit and in truth. John 4, 23-24 says, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. God's looking for real worshipers. He's not looking, like we saw earlier, He's not looking for lip service. He's looking for people that are going to do it with all that they have and do it truly and honestly and authentically to Him. And to worship in truth is to worship God through Jesus. To realize that Jesus is the truth and to worship in an understanding of what He did for and inside of each and every one of us. You can't worship God in truth if you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because to worship in truth is to worship Him in light of the truth of Jesus. And then to worship in spirit is to worship in the new realm which God has revealed to people. The understanding that you have been given a new life-giving spirit inside of you. The only way to worship God in this way is to have Jesus inside of your heart, to worship with that new spirit inside of you in light of the truth of Jesus. There's a story that I, that I read that said, Early in our marriage, I gave my wife a terrific anniversary gift, a rain gauge. At least I thought it was a great gift. Susan, after all, is a farmer's daughter and keeps close watch on the weather, and I envisioned her delight and nostalgia while tracking our backyard precipitation. I congratulated myself on my creativity. Guess what? Susan was not impressed. A rain gauge for our anniversary? The rain gauge is now a family joke, a classic example of a gift enjoyed by the giver, but not the receiver. One word I hear a lot these days is authentic, as in we seek authentic worship. Usually this means we're trying to create an experience that helps worshipers feel something And there's nothing wrong with that, but if our focus is only on our experience, then we may be giving God a rain gauge. Are we offering and worship a gift we enjoy and figuring God will like it? A real gift, real worship, means knowing what is important to the receiver. You know, to worship it in spirit and in truth is to worship in that way. When we're worshiping with anything else first, we're giving that rain gauge, we're giving that football to our moms. But when we worship in light of Jesus, then we're actually giving God the honor He deserves. Amen? We're also going to find out that worship is reserved for God. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we were dealing with with, uh, that Jesus is fully God and Jesus is uh, also fully man. But once again in Matthew 14 it says, And then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. We have to recognize that worship is reserved only for God. Worship, we should not be worshiping 
worshiping, <laughs> worshiping anything else. I think I said that right three times and thought I messed it up, didn't I? We should not be worshiping anything else in our lives. We should not put anything before God. Matter of fact, when Jesus was going through his temptation, the devil says, you know what? Bow down to me and I'll give you everything that you see. And Jesus said, I don't need all of that stuff. I'm not going to bow down to you because worship is for the Lord your God. And in him shall you only serve. And we need to keep that in mind as we live our lives is that as I've said, and I know it feels like I'm beating a dead horse, but I keep saying because it's so important, God needs to be first in our lives and all things. We don't need to worship other things. We shouldn't worship other people. In Revelations 22, 8 through 9, and we, I think we looked at this last week about uh, who deserves worship and how the Jews viewed it. But in Revelations 22, 8 through 9, it says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers and the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. That was an angel. Began to, John fell down and began to worship the angel. And the, the angel's like, what are you doing? I'm just like you. I'm a servant. Don't worship me. Worship God. Acts 14, 11 through 15, it says, When the, the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief <clears throat> pardon, because he was the chief speaker, and the priests of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gate and wanted to offer sacrifices to the with the crowds. But when the apostle Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out to the crowd crying, Men, what are you doing? These th- why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. And we bring to you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. We shouldn't be worshiping any other people. We shouldn't worship pastors or other evangelists or any of these things. Worship is reserved completely for God. And there's no one else worthy or deserving of worship. And that's where we get ourselves into trouble, both as people, if we begin to, to let other people worship us. We can see that the, even the angels were like, hey, you need to watch it. This isn't the place that we need to be. This isn't the right thing. And Paul and Barnabas, the same thing. We look at Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's one of the most incredible Christians and, and the, probably the greatest apostle that lived. And yet even he wouldn't receive worship because it was for God only. Next, I want to talk about holding back, because this is one that I see probably the most in the church. And when it's time to worship, we find out that, that people begin to be reserved. And when the music's going, people are singing, and instead of just giving God everything, instead of doing with abandon, people are kind of looking around. What if, you know, I want to lift my hands to God, I want to sing, but what if somebody sees me? What will they think of me? In Matthew 22, 37, it says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. What that means is we don't want to hold anything back. We want to worship with everything that we have. You guys remember when David danced before the ark? It says he was in his, in his, basically in his underwear, and he danced around giving God glory. And then his wife was a little upset. Basically, she thought, she thought that he was embarrassing her. And he, she begins to scold him, and he says, You know what? I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. 
you know, David had it right. He, wasn't, he didn't care what people thought of him. He didn't care what people were looking at him and, and thought he might be embarrassed. But he gave God everything. He danced with joy before the Lord, and it didn't matter. He was going to honor God with everything that he had. Man, and that's the attitude I pray that we would all have. You know, it's, it's something that, that I'll be honest, a lot of times I, I still struggle with that. You know, I don't got a problem with lifting my hands in front of God, but we'll be in, in uh, worship services and, and, and people are jumping up and down and worshiping God, especially when we're with the youth. Me and John's going to see this uh, firsthand with me here in, uh, uh, next month as we go to the, the youth conference and, and support our youth and the youth in the Tucson church. And, and he's going to see worship different than he's ever seen before. Because those kids, they just, they just give up with abandon and they jump and they dance and they, they worship. And, uh, you know, it's funny, when you're at these big conferences, it's easy to get into it. You just go with the flow and you worship, and you worship with abandon. You jump around, you got your hands raised, you're yelling and singing, and it's great. But then you get back to your regular church. And now that's when you're worried. You're like, man, I want, I want to worship like that. But you begin to look around. What, what happens if I start jumping now to honor God? What, what will people think? What will people say? And I know we've, we went to the Tucson church not too long ago, and, and uh, uh, we went up to the front and began to worship, and, and, and you know, that, that atmosphere was coming in. People were starting to jump, and, and I'm like, man, I know I want to do it. I love giving God like this, and I begin to, to think about it. And sometimes you just have to let that go and recognize, you know what? I'll be even more undignified than this to honor God because he's worthy of my honor. He's worthy of my worship. And sometimes just lifting up hands is hard. I remember when I first had to get over that hurdle because somehow in our heads we think that everybody's looking at us. It's like we're getting ready to worship and we think that as soon as we put our hands up we're going to hear that screeching record and everybody's just going to turn around and look at us. But the truth is, everybody else in the room is just, is just honoring God. They don't care about you. They're honoring God. In 1 Timothy 2.8, Paul said this to Timothy. He said, I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. You know, Paul said, I pray that everybody would do that, would honor God with their hands lifted up, worship God with their hands lifted up. And the question is, are we afraid to lift our hands in worship? What will people think? The truth is that lifting our hands in worship, that represents surrender. If you think about it, if someone's robbing a bank and they point a, God, a gun at you, what's, what's the expected response? Hands up. It's surrender. It's showing that there's nothing in between me and you. I'm, I'm surrendering completely to you. It's also a picture of, of when your kid runs at you with their arms up so that you'll pick them up. It's a complete surrender. That's what, that's what we do when we lift our hands. We're surrendering ourselves completely to God. What about at work? How many of you have praised God out loud at work? Amen. I, I know that's, that's, that's a tough thing. But we need to make sure that, 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 man, when something's good at work, just, hey, praise God. That doesn't mean you have to bust out a guitar and, and go into a full worship song, but, man, just say, praise God. And let people hear it. That's fine. What's the worst that's going to happen? I'm probably not going to fire you for it. And like I said earlier, we need to teach our, our children the value of this unashamed worship as well. We need to let them see us worship 
in spirit and truth so that they would go ahead and learn those same values from us. And the next thing that's really important is that we need to come to worship expecting God to move. We need to expect God to move. In his book, Go the Distance, Pastor Ed Rowell tells a humorous story that illustrates the importance of approaching worship with a spirit of expectancy. And he wrote, I was flipping channels one night before bedtime and landed on the crocodile hunter, a staple of the Animal Planet channel. And in each 30-minute episode, Steve Irwin from Australia is capturing, chasing, and being chased by crocodiles, venomous snakes, and spiders, and anything else the producers can think of to elevate the adrenaline of the audience. On that particular night, the host was attempting to capture the world's most venomous snake. Irwin catches snakes by grabbing their tail and spends several minutes playing with them before placing them in a bag. Part of the fun of watching is wondering when he's going to finally get his just reward for such behavior. I was really getting into this this program, leaning intently toward the TV, and as he made another reach for the snake's tail, it struck at him. And at just that exact moment, a fly landed on my forearm. I shrieked and jerked so hard, the remote control flew across the room. And my wife, who was reading, screamed along with me for moral support. What happened, she asked. He says, I don't know. I croaked as I fell on the couch. While the crocodile hunter was bagging his, his snake, I was wondering if the fact that my left arm had gone numb was a sign I was having a heart attack, or if I had whacked it on something as I was attempting to dislodge the poisonous snake that hadn't bitten me. He says, don't be surprised if the Holy Spirit touches you today. If you are not expecting his touch, you may not react the way you want. But if you come this morning expecting to hear from God and are open to receiving his word into your life, you'll recognize his touch and not be alarmed by it. You know, as I was reading this story, I've seen people in worship get touched by the Holy Spirit, and they're, they're filled by the Spirit, and, and, and a lot of, of different and, and what we consider weird things have happened as people have been touched by the Holy Spirit. We've heard stories of spontaneous laughter, laughter in the Spirit taking over an entire crowd, and they, none of them can stop laughing. We've seen uh, uh, people that get, get prayed for and the Holy Spirit touches them and they, you know, we refer to it as being slain in the Spirit or they fall backwards because the Holy Spirit has touched them and they're expecting that. You know, I was, I was really adverse to that kind of stuff at first and I couldn't figure out why that would actually happen. Until finally I said, you know what, God, I want you to touch me however you want to touch me. And the first time it happened to me, I finally realized why it happens. You guys, you guys know why? People fall backwards when they're touched by the Spirit. It's, it's actually pretty simple. Their legs just stop working. You know, I, I was touched by God, and my body didn't know how to handle it, and I, I fell backwards. And thank God there was someone there to catch me. There were probably two or three people there to catch me. I'm a big guy. And then I've also seen people just do incredibly weird things, like twitching and, and flailing about. And I think that's kind of what he's talking about here. They, they weren't expecting a touch from God, and they didn't know how to handle it, kind of like the guy shrieked from the fly. But if we come expecting, God will touch us and work inside of us, and that's definitely an attitude that we want to have as we, as we worship God. Amen? We also need to understand that worship is never-ending. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. 
for you. Like I said earlier, worship's not just a half hour beginning, starting the church service. This is something that we should be doing at all times. It says that actually the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name is praise. If, if God is, is, is your God, if Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, that's the fruit of your lips, is giving praise to Him. And it says that it's a sacrifice of praise. Isn't that a weird way to, to, to word praise? But if it's a sacrifice, that means sometimes it might not be easy. Sometimes you might not be feeling good. Sometimes you might be having a, a hard day, and you just don't want to worship. That's why it's a sacrifice. We still do it anyway. Maybe you're sick, you're not feeling well, but we worship anyway. And it's a sacrifice. And we should be doing it all the time. Down here it says, rejoice always and pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances. This is a weird one for me because this pray without ceasing. I don't know that if you were praying out loud without ceasing for your entire day, you could never do anything else. It doesn't mean to pray physically at all times, but that's an attitude of our heart. Giving thanks to God. I mean, is that the first reaction when something good happens and God has blessed you? Is your first reaction just, oh, thank you, Jesus? Or do you, do you, does it take a little while and you go, oh, wait, I should have thanked God for that? Is that the attitude of your heart to be constantly in this attitude of prayer, this attitude of rejoicing? Giving thanks not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances? That means that even when things are going bad, we can still be thankful in that circumstance because we know that God's going to get us through it. He's not going to leave us or forsake us. And that's the will of God for us in our lives, is to be in this attitude of worship, this attitude of prayer at all times. Colossians 3.23-24 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when we work, when we're at work, our attitude and our, everything that we do should be an expression of our worship for God. That means when you're at work, you should be doing a good job. You should be doing the right things. Christians should be the most hireable people on the planet because we're not working for men, but... We're working as for the Lord. That means that as a Christian, your boss shouldn't have to be over you all the time making sure you're doing your stuff. That should be something that we do just of our own because we're honoring God. We're worshiping God in how we work. Amen? Next, we talked a little bit uh, as we received the offering this morning, but giving is worship. When we give to God, it's actually an act of worship. And like I always say, we're not receiving a second offering, so don't get nervous. Just go ahead and, and, and hear the teaching. In Hebrews thirteen sixteen it says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. You know that when we share with others, when we give to others, we can be honoring God in that same way. You know, I've seen a lot of giving in this church. And there's actually a lot of times a lot of struggle and sacrifice that goes along with it. You know, we've seen people open their homes to other people and their struggle and their sacrifice. I know I've opened my home to other people. And you know that there's problems that come along. I know that there's problems that come along with opening your home to people. But we do it because we're honoring God and the sacrifices are worth it. 
Philippians 4.18 says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Aphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. When we tithe, when we give our offerings, that's a sacrifice and a pleasing offering to God. You know, as I told at the beginning of this message, I said, I talked about the definitions of homage, or homage, however that word's pronounced. But it's something done or given in acknowledgement or consideration or the worth of another. We give because God, because God is worth it. Even Jesus was worshipped. Remember when the wise men came to, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, the, the wise men came to, to visit Jesus in the manger? And they went and saw Mary and they're like, hey, we bring gold and frankincense and wait, there's myrrh. You know, it's, you guys have ever seen, uh, I think it was Short Circuit. You guys ever seen the movie Short Circuit? Along with Johnny Number Five. Do you remember that joke that he, they finally realized that he's sentient because he finally laughs and talks about the, was it a, a, a priest, a, a pastor, and a rabbi were, were talking about how much money they should give to God. And the, the pastor says, I got an idea. What we'll do is we'll take and we'll draw a big circle on the ground and we'll throw all the money up in the air and whatever lands in the circle we'll give to God whatever the lands on the outside we'll keep. And the priest goes, no, 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 no. We'll draw the circle on the ground and we'll throw the, the money up in the air and whatever falls on the outside of the circle we'll give to God and whatever's on the inside we'll keep. And the rabbi says, no, 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 you guys got it all wrong. We'll draw a circle on the ground and we'll throw all the money in the air and whatever God wants he'll keep. <laughs> I don't know why that popped into my head. No, now I'm all confused and lost. <laughs> the truth is, but when we give to God, we're honoring Him or worshiping Him. Because He's worthy. And the truth is, when we give our tithe at 10%, I mean, He gave us everything in the first place. And He only asks us to honor Him with a small portion. We also see that sacrifices in the Old Testament, if you look at that, that was a form of worship as well. They, they gave to God to honor Him. You remember the, the lady with the alabaster perfume that poured it out on Jesus' feet? She gave what they, I think it was equivalent to a year's worth of wages in that perfume. She poured out at the feet of Jesus. And Judas got all mad because he was probably going to pilfer whatever they could sell that for. But God is pleased in our giving to Him. It's a, Paul says it's a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. But the truth is, God doesn't need our money. God's still going to be God if we never give. But the amazing thing is, is that the, the blessing pours back on us in return. When we give to God, He, he gives back to us. And the truth is that this is more than just, just dropping money in a basket. But it's determining to set aside and honor God with our income. Determining that He is worthy our tithe. And even more, if, if we put money in, a, in the basket because it's some sense of duty or some sense of obligation, if we feel guilty if we, if we don't tithe, you're, you're missing the point. We don't give out a duty or obligation. We give because of what He's already done for us. It's a natural response is to give back and return. Just like with every person here, when, when hey, we see it all the time, you know, when, when you go and you, you help somebody move, 
generally the, ex- the, the expectation is that you know, someday they're going to do the same thing for you. When we give people money, the, the expectation is that someday they're going to get you back at some point. I know when I go to the, to, the, to the Circle K with guys from my work, we'll walk from work to the Circle K and we'll get drinks, and oftentimes we'll, we'll buy something for someone else, and we never worry about getting paid back because we always know that, that it's natural for us to want to pay that back. And the same thing is, is for us. God gave so much for us. It's natural for us to want to give something back to him. And like I said, it's, it's never to pay him back. If you're, doing, if you're somehow trying to pay back God, you've missed the point. It's about honoring him and worshiping him. It's not about trying to do your part. Amen? And also, it's not about volume. That's something that I think is real important. You guys remember the, the, the widow, the, you know, the widow's mite? And she gave two pennies into the offering basket. And Jesus said she gave more than anybody in this room because she gave all that she had. You know, if, if, you're, if you're somebody that makes $10,000 a month and you're putting $500 in the basket every week or every month, you're like, man, that seems pretty good. $500 is a lot of money, but compared to what you have, that's, that's nothing. That's, that's a drop in the bucket. But if you only make a couple thousand dollars a month and you give that same 500, I mean, that's, you're giving a quarter of what you have. That's, so, that's worth so much more, even though they're the same dollar amount. It's not about volume, but it's, it's about our, uh, the attitude of our heart. What are we willing to give to God? And like I said in the beginning of this service, giving money is easy. You know, we, there's this, this idea that that uh, in the church, you know, the, the church just wants your money. And Pastor Mike used to crack me up. He said, you know, I don't just want your money. I want everything. I want your family, your car, your house, your kids. I want your whole life for Jesus. I don't just want your money. The truth is that money's easy to give, but time is hard. And I know that, and I'm so thankful for all of you that have given time, particularly as it's been rough when we moved into this building. We had a lot of stuff that we had to get done, and we were putting in long hours and working hard. And that's hard. You know, you get wore out, you get tired. To give time is even harder than giving money. But the truth is, all of it honors God. Amen? We also need to understand that, that worshiping God and honoring God is not just when 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 things are good. That's one time that we worship. And in Acts 3, 6 through 9, it says, But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. This is a guy who had never been able to walk. They heal him, he jumps up, and he can walk, and he begins to praise God. When something great happens in your life, we need to be praising God. We need to be giving him glory and honor for it. And that's a great time to do it. And it's easy to worship when things are going good, but it's still important to do it then. But I've seen so many people fall, even after they receive something great, a miracle in their lives, they... they they fall back, they slide away. You know, we don't hear what happens to this guy. Did he continue praising God or, or did a month down the line he just kind of walk away, took his miracle and ran? 
I mean, you look at the Israelites in the desert, they were just freed from the Egyptians, and it, wasn't, it seemed like the next day they were already turning their back on God and complaining they wanted to go back to Egypt. Um, uh, Joseph will know we had a, a men's meeting, and there was a guy who, who was dealing with liver cancer, and, and at the men's meeting they laid hands on him, and, and they found out that he was completely healed from this liver cancer. God had produced a miracle in his life. And man, it was some probably. Do you, do you remember the guy's name? Oh, I thought you were there. Uh, Scott Reck laid hands on him. He just right afterwards he disappeared. <laughs> anyway, he he uh, they laid hands on him, completely cured of liver cancer, and then and just a few weeks later we never saw him again. It blew my mind. I'm like, man, how could God touch you like that? And you walk away. We also had another guy who had hepatitis C, completely cured. Um, the only reason that she had the antibodies in her body for hepatitis C, so they knew she had it, but she no longer had hepatitis C. And as you know, that's, that's uncurable. We, we can't make that go away, but God touched her life. And then not too long down the road, she just kind of fell off the radar and disappeared. And it amazes me that, that something like that could happen in our lives, but they would give up on God. But the truth is, we need to worship when the times are good, but that's... The times being good is not enough to sustain us through anything. You know, many times we find ourselves in a situation when everything's going great that we don't go to God because why are we looking to God? Everything's great, you know. A lot of times we just look to God when things are are terrible and going bad. But the truth is, in the good times and we're seeing the bad times, we need to be giving God glory all the time, amen? Amen. In Acts 16.25, we're going to read about a time when the going is rough. It says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So this is Paul and Silas. They just got arrested. They're thrown in prison. And what do they decide to do? They decide to praise God. Now, I don't know any of us that that would be the first thought in our mind, particularly if we're wrongly imprisoned. But they begin to just praise God and worship Him. You know, it's tough to worship God when things are going bad. But it's also important to continue to do so in those situations. I know when my, my father died not too many years ago, it was tough for me to continue worshiping God. I mean, he was, he was young. He was in his late 50s, I believe. He, he, he was gone too soon. But you know what? It's still important to worship God in those situations. I know for me, I praise God because, one, I got to speak to him, and I know that he was saved. You know, I was able to flat out ask him, God, do you, or Dad, do you, know, do you know God? Do you know Jesus? And he said, yeah, I do, son. I'm saved. And I know I'm going to get to see my dad again. I can praise God for that. that my, my dad now is, is healed. He's in heaven. He's completely cured. And I get to see him again. I can praise God for that. So even in the midst of a terrible thing, we have to remember to praise God always. And I think for me, probably the hardest time to praise is when it's just going. And 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And then in Ephesians 1, 3 it says, Blessed be the God, our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. 
Like I said, it's toughest for me to worship when things are just going. When things aren't particularly good, when things aren't particularly bad. Usually when things are going great, it's easy for me to recognize that God's at work and I'm giving Him praise and glory. And when things are going bad, it's easy for me to go to God because, well, things are screwed up. I want Him to move in my life. But when we get comfortable, we kind of just fall into the flow of things. And we kind of forget about God because it's not bad enough to call on Him and it's not good enough to to call on Him. So we just kind of keep going through our lives. But even in those times, the Scripture says that that we're comforted in our affliction, so when we're comfortable, we need to make sure that we're comforting others in their affliction. That we're still worshiping, we're still praising, we're comforting others. And recognize that we've been blessed by our our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We need to recognize that when things are just going, when we're comfortable, that, that God is still at work in our lives in those particular times, in those situations. We need to remember that everything that we've been given is to edify the church. And even when things aren't great, even when things aren't bad, that we still need to be honoring God and using those gifts for Him and recognizing that He is still Lord of our life. This is actually what the writers of the New Testament did. This was their culture, was to always be worshiping God no matter what the circumstances were. And this is a necessary part of our life as well. Because the truth is, is the wind... In the rain, it hits the righteous and the unrighteous alike. The good times, bad times, just okay times, they're going to hit all of us. We're all going to go through them, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. But we need to continue to worship God through all of these situations. And the easiest time to become complacent is when it's just going. So let's make sure that in all these situations, when the going's good, when the going's bad, when it's just going, that we're going to be people who worship God. That's, that's who we are as a church, is we're people who worship God, God regardless of our situations. And the scripture we're going to end on this evening is Revelations, or this morning, Revelations 5, 11 through 13. Is, then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. You know, the culture of heaven is to worship. That's what they do in worship. They're honoring God forever and ever. You know, when we, if you don't like worshiping now, you're going to be in for a rude awakening when you get to heaven. Because it's going to be a little bit different. They're worshiping all the time. And it's, it's not quiet either. It's not solemn, somber worship. But the scripture says that, that this, the sound is like, like rushing waters, it's like thunder. The worship in heaven is going to be loud as you hear people lift up their voices to God. And you know what? Jesus asked that we would pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the attitude we need to have on, on earth just as well. Because we need to worship now because we're going to be worshiping forever. So this is who we are. Let's, let's let us show it here on earth. Amen? Yeah, let's go and stand our feet.